Jesus. That's their message series, is Jesus. We're looking at Jesus through the lens of the Gospel of Matthew, and I don't know about you, but it's been quite a ride for me. Um, Some of these messages that I'm giving, I feel like I'm just talking to myself uh, because uh, they're so convicting. Uh, And today is one of those that's pretty convicting. And to kind of help you wrap your mind around what we're going to be looking at, um, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, and it's where Jesus is going to give like three different examples um, of something that people would do in his day, that the Jewish people would do in their, his day, that would show them to be pious or upright or it would fulfill the right thing to do, right? Um, and then he just turns it on them. Uh, about how they might be doing that thing for the wrong reason. Uh, And it brings to mind um, one of the first times that I remember giving in to someone daring me to do something. Anybody remember when someone dared you to do something? I dare you to do that, right? I double dare you. Like, oh, triple dog dare you to do something, right? Uh, It was junior high because everything... Uh, cool happens in junior high. Um, it was in junior high, and uh, we were up on top of this hill overlooking this dirt bike track. And when I'm talking dirt bike, I'm talking like motorcycle dirt bike tracks. And we had our little, you know, bikes, bicycles. And we're up on top of this thing, and we, it just like t- completely drops off. And we were up there just kind of like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if somebody just like rode down this thing and, and you could go down it. And then at the other end, it was this jump, right? This huge jump. And if you're on a motorcycle, you hit that and you go up in the air and it's really cool. But on a bicycle, on the other side of the jump is death, Right? <laughs> It's just not going to end well. And so we're all like, oh, I dare you to do that. Oh, it'd be funny. And we're kind of all just elbowing each other. And I, it went in my head. I was like, why don't I do it? Right? Why not? Let's try it. And so I take off on my little bicycle and go down this thing and scared to death, just holding on for dear life because the Handlebars are shaking, and I'm like, I just don't want to wipe out and look like an idiot in front of all my friends, because I really care about what they say. Uh, And so I'm going down, I hit the jump, and the bike goes one way, I go another way, I land, and it hurt. Man, it hurt. And I turn around, and all of a sudden, all the pain that I felt just melted away, because I look up. And I see my friends at the top of the hill, and I hear my friends at the top of the hill just going crazy, like, oh, that was amazing. Oh, that was so cool. I can't believe you did that, right? And then what that contributed to is then me doing other dares, right? Yeah, other dares that they would be like, oh, you know, it wouldn't be cool if this happened. Like, we should get Mike to do it. Mike will do it, right? And of course, I'm like, yeah, I'll do it, right? And so I would do, there's a bunch of other dares that I'm not going to share here. I'll save them for another time. But the point is, the point is, is that I was doing it because of their admiration for me, right? The, the words that they were saying about me, like, oh, he's so crazy. You can believe what Mike did and the stories they would tell. I did it because of that. And what is that, right? What is that weird thing? This we want to have admiration from other people, right? We so, so, yeah, junior high kid, you know, wants it from his friends. We get that. But, you know, we, we want that from our parents, too, don't we? 
We want them to be proud of us or say that they love us or here's something I really admire about you and what you do or coworkers, bosses, like, man, I love the way that you did that thing. We do. We, we love to have the admiration. And I'm not suggesting that that's bad. I'm not suggesting that that's a wrong thing, but it can become a wrong thing when it motivates us to do the right thing, right? And it's just very, here, let me give you some examples of the way in which we live our life, okay? Um, first of all, we do the wrong thing for the wrong reason sometimes, right? The wrong thing for the wrong reason, that's a dare. No one ever dared anybody to do the right thing, right? I dare you to love your spouse. Nobody does that. I dare you to invest in your kids. Nobody says that, right? Nobody dares you to do the right thing. And so doing the wrong thing, you're motivated by the wrong reason as well, right? I just want to impress them or whatever. But we also can do the right thing for the wrong reason. Well, it might be the right thing for the wrong reason. Or the wrong, re- the wrong thing for the right reason. Excuse me, I got mixed up. Okay? So we can do the wrong thing for the right reason. What's a wrong thing for the right reason? White lies, right? The right reason I want to spare your feelings for something, so I'm going to lie about it. It's the wrong thing to do, right? We live this way. We just want to save face. We still want to let this person know that we care about them and stuff. We don't want to hurt their feelings, okay? So sometimes we do the wrong thing for the right reason, and we also do the right thing for the wrong reason, okay? Uh, Honest to God, this is a true thing that I not anybody I met here said to me, um, but way back um, in my 20s, I was going to a church, I was volunteering there, and one of the guys uh, that was attending there, he said this, he said he came to that church that day because he was looking for a girlfriend. Right thing? Sure, come on to church. That's not such a horrible thing. Wrong motivation, it's got a better de- dating scene than the bar right down the street. Like, no, that's not good. Like, I felt icky. <laughs> I was like, you need to leave. Any girl he was talking to, I was like, hey, yeah, you know, don't talk. Go, get out of here, right? Like, this guy's a creep, right? Ladies, am I wrong? Yeah, oh, I'm right, right? We can do the right thing for the wrong reason, but we can also do the right thing for the right reason, right? You want to give uh, to someone who's in need. Why? Because you just genuinely care for them. You're just trying to help them out, right? You can do the right thing for the right reason. The reason why I'm saying all of this stuff is because when we look at Matthew chapter 6, we can get so caught up in the details that we miss the overall picture of what Jesus is actually trying to say. And he lays it out for us. There are people doing the right things, but they're doing it for the wrong reason. And when they do it for the wrong reason, they lose something. They lose something uh, that it should be really important to them. So should we take a look? Okay, uh, let's look at it. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 1. This is the, his beginning statement. So if he's going to say something, it's kind of like this, the thesis, and then he's going to give some examples to this, okay? Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Okay, this is the big thing, and he's going to unpack it in several different ways, three different ways. There's a little template that Jesus is going to go through and say basically the same thing, insert a different thing in there. 
But the idea is that when you do a good deed, that publicly is not really the issue. It's the, be, to be admired by others. And doing it publicly kind of puts you in this place that maybe it is because you just want to be admired by other people. And when you do that, that's the reward you get and you lose the reward that you might get from your Father in Heaven, your Heavenly Father. Now, what might you think the reward is that you would get from your Heavenly Father, the reward that you lose? If you don't see it, it's okay. It took me a while to process through this to go like, what is Jesus getting at here, okay? So he's going to give us three examples. They're touching on three things that were good for a Jewish person to do that would show them to be uh, someone who is pious. Uh, it's giving, so giving to people in need, praying, and fasting. And Jesus talks about these things as if they, he just assumes that they're going to be doing that. But when they do these things publicly, they will get a reward by being admired by others, but they lose a reward that they could get from the Heavenly Father. Let me show you what I mean. This next part here. Verse, sorry, in verse 2. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do. Who are the hypocrites? Other Jewish people that are trying to be pious by doing these good things, right? And they're, they're hypocrites because they're going to do it for the wrong reason. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and the streets and call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. Just sit and think about that for a second, okay? Your goal is to get the reward of people admiring you for these acts of charity that you're doing, helping people in need. Will you get that reward? Yes. That's the end of the reward, though. That's what you end up with. If you do it publicly to get some admiration from those around you, that's what you get. That's all. So what does Jesus suggest to help us with this piece? He says this in verse 3. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. And what does that mean for us? What do we do? When we break this down and we zone in right on this, we're like, okay, I can't ever let anybody know what I'm up to. If I give something, I'm going to just give anonymously. No one can ever know about these things. It's really not about that. It's about the inward motivation of it. I'm going to give publicly so everyone can see how great I am, right? That's why I'm going to do it. And so Jesus is saying, well, don't do it that way. If you do something that no one else sees, do it for the only one who sees you, and you will be rewarded by the only one who sees you, who is your Father in heaven. What's the reward? It's okay. If you don't know, it's okay. <laughs> Still took me some time. In fact, I think Jesus knew that, and that's why he keeps going over it again and again. Now, he'll do the same thing with prayer. Don't do it as the hypocrites do. They're out in the streets praying and everything. I don't know. He's a lot about streets, right? Don't do the public thing, out, giving out in the streets. Don't pray out in the streets, right? If you pray out in the streets, everyone can see you and hear your wonderful words. They'll praise you, think it's wonderful, but that's all the reward you're going to get. Instead, go lock yourself in a room, right? Go pray to your, pri uh, your father, father in heaven. He sees that in private, and he will reward you. He'll do the same thing uh, towards the end with, um, with fasting, right? 
don't, don't go out and don't do as the hypocrites do, right? Those other Jewish people that are trying to do the right thing, what do they do? Oh, they make themselves look miserable. I'm just so, oh, so awful right now. I'm fasting. I haven't had anything to eat. Oh, it was me. Look at me. I feel miserable. Don't do that. Like, you know, clean yourself up. Look like you're not fasting, right? Just, just go about your normal business because you're not fasting for those other people, are you? You're fasting to focus on your heavenly father, and he's the one that will reward you. What's the reward? This is where it gets interesting. How many of you uh, can recall the, the, what's called the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father, right? You kind of know it. Jesus is going to give an example of prayer in this scenario, and through that we start seeing what that reward is that we would miss out on if we start focusing on being admired by other people, okay? Here's how he goes into this, starting in verse 7. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the, it doesn't say hypocrites, does it? It says Gentiles. So something has changed in his template and the way that he's communicating. He's driving home this point even more. If you're going to be a hypocrite, here's I'm a Jewish person going to do these right things, you're not only in danger of uh, lo- losing your father's reward, the father in heaven's reward, but you also are going to start acting like those Gentiles. you got all these gods out there, and they just don't really understand who your heavenly father really is and how he works, and you're in danger of that as well, okay? So there's a change, a shift that happens here. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. What's your first thought when you hear that? Why do I need to ask Him then, right? If God knows what I need, why do I need to say anything? Here's the problem. You're coming at this backwards, right? Coming at it completely backwards. You've got to focus in on who these Gentile people are and how they think about God or gods. And Jesus is actually kind of giving a little elbow to them. He's going like, this is how they think gods work. They don't know their heavenly father, how the heavenly father works. Here, let me show you what I mean, okay? What are these people doing? They have these gods out there. They've created all these temples for them. um, And they go to these temples and they will go and they will pray because they need something from these gods. These gods have to meet some need for them. But they have to say these words, whatever words they are, this chant, this mantra, whatever it is, over and 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 over again because these gods are not paying attention. Right? They've got a lot of things going on, and so for them to really listen to me and hear me and know what I need, I need to keep saying it over and over and over because there's a lot of other people out there saying things too. So I need to get their attention because they've got other things that they're doing. Okay? This is what Jesus is saying here. They think by merely repeating their words again and again, they will be answered, they will be heard. And in opposition to that, who is our Heavenly Father? How does the Heavenly Father react to prayer? He's so intimately 
connected with you, knowing everything in your life that you need, that he knows it before you even start asking for it. That's a God that is way beyond these other gods that they have and they build temples to. Like, they're too busy to pay attention to you? No, God's like, no, I know. I know everything that you need before you even ask. Do you hear Jesus a little bit? Like, come on, those gods, they can't even pay attention. But your heavenly Father, he knows. Okay? So he's setting this up for them that this heavenly Father is something completely different than these other gods, and you're in danger of treating your heavenly Father the same way the Gentiles tr treat their gods. And you're going to start losing this reward that comes from your heavenly Father. What's the reward? Hang in. Hang in there. Jesus is going to give you some words to repeat. Right? Different than repeating these words on and on and over and over and over again. He's going to tell you, like, here's a way to make sure that you are aligned with who the heavenly Father is. And then once you're aligned with this heavenly father and you understand him, now this reward will become seen to you. You, you will see it. It will appear right before your very eyes. You'll start understanding what it is that God is going to reward you with. Okay? Would you like to see it? Waiting for it? Here we go. So here's the prayer that we know that Jesus tells his disciples to pray. And I'm going to tell you this too. There's the three elements that he talks about, about giving to people in need, about prayer, and about fasting actually show up in this prayer, okay? So he wraps this all together. He's a brilliant communicator. It's really, really amazing to see. So how does he start it off? Our Father in heaven, right? Let's figure out and know who we're actually talking to, this one that knows us so intimately well, that knows everything that we need before we even ask. Our Heavenly Father, May your name be kept holy. May it be kept way apart from these other gods. Like they just, I, they can't even measure up to you. Okay? May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Right? My Father in heaven, your rule and your reign, I want that. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? What is all this focused on? Anything that you actually need? It's all about lining up something inside for, for your communicating with God. You're lining up with your heavenly Father. I'm on the same page as you. Are you looking for admiration from others at this point? No, you're completely focused on who your heavenly Father is. Okay, now here's where comes the giving to those in need, the prayer, and the fasting come in. So the next part, okay? Give us today the food we need. That is, you can't be any more clear, right? Who's in need? I'm in need. And who's going to be the giver? God is the giver. Our Heavenly Father is going to give to those in need, okay? Give to those in need. Uh, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. Who's in need? Those that need forgiveness, right? Now, you remember last week I talked about... Um, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, was the, the little phrase that we see all of this through, all of his teaching through. You can even take that and read all of the Old Testament, all of the law and the prophets, 
they're seen through that little lens. Treat others the way you want to be treated? Nailed it right here, didn't he? Give, to the, give, give us the food we need, right? You're going to give us the food we need. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, right? Treat us the way we treat other people. In fact, he'll expound on that at the end of the, the, the verses here, right? In 14 and 50. I'm not going to go there. But he just elaborates on that more. You're going to treat, God's going to treat you the way that you treat other people. It's a shift in your focus. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, here's where the fasting piece comes in. Was there a time in Jesus' life where he faced temptation? Where he faced this evil one? What was he doing at that time? Fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, right? So this is something that he, he's assuming others are going to be doing. They're going to be doing this fast thing and asking God to help them to not give into or yield to whatever those temptation things are and that God would be the one to rescue you from the evil one. Have we seen the, the reward yet? Okay, so here's, the, here's, here's where we're going with this. As you're aligned with who God is, and you're focused on him as your heavenly father, and you're seeking God to give to those in need, that's you, right? Treat you the way you treat others, that there's this time of fasting that might bring about this time of temptation, and he's going to help you to not yield to that. What happened right before Jesus went into all of that temptation and stuff. Do you recall this? It was the time of Jesus' baptism. And at Jesus' baptism, the heavens were open. He revealed this. And what did Jesus hear? His Father in heaven say to him, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. He brings me great joy. This is God giving words of admiration to his son. Are you hanging with me? Okay, what's the reward that we lose out on if we get the reward of admiration from other people? It's a reward of admiration from our heavenly father. And I know some of us, that's hard for us to deal with because of our image of ourselves before God. No, I'm just a horrible human being. There's nothing good that God would see in me and things like that. So before you burn me at the stake, okay, this is a pattern throughout the Bible. I'm going to give you just a couple examples, okay? First one, what did God say about David, King David? Do you remember? Some of us know this quote. God said about David that David is a man after his own heart. God's own heart. We already talked about Jesus. Jesus will also give a parable about some servants, and the master of those servants will say some words to them. Do you remember what those words are? When they do the right things and the right motivation, well done, my good and faithful servant. Those are words of admiration to these human beings because they are aligned with their master. 
and treating others the way they want to be treated? Do you see this? So we are in danger of losing this reward, the words that God wants to say to you and how he admires you when we are trying to get the admiration of other people. Wouldn't it be so much greater if you could hear the words of God saying, you are a man after my own heart. You are my child. On this child, I'm so pleased. And she gives me so much joy. Well done, good and faithful servant. Wouldn't those be wonderful things to hear? Way more greater than any admiration that we could get from those around us. And Jesus is going to live this out too. He knows what this is like. Some of the people that are going to listen to his words come and be healed. They're amazed by him. They're astounded by him. Some of those same people that are coming to Jesus to hear what he has to say or to be healed are some of the same people that later will be calling for his execution. Human beings, we're temperamental, right? Praise you one day, make fun of you the next. But your Father in heaven, what a great reward that he would give you words of admiration because you are aligned with him. You are treating others the way you want to be treated. You are being like him right here, right? So what I want to offer to you is a way that we can make sure that we stay in the right spot because it's a heart thing, isn't it? It's the inside thing that we need to make sure we're lined up. And I'm going to use some words um, that David used, okay? This is from Psalm uh, 19, and I, uh, I encourage you to read the whole psalm. This is the end of the psalm. The whole thing is great. I, you know me. I always want you to read the whole thing. Um, and so the end of Psalm 19, these are the words that David says, and it's his deep down desire. Remember, he's one after God's own heart. Look at what he's focused on in these words, Psalm 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, right? May I hear those words of admiration from you. May I be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And so what I'd like to do, um, if you're willing to make sure that you go out and try to do the right things, well, what are, how do you know what the right things are? God is the one that determines what's right. And so we want to line up with his will and his purposes and things like that. And then do it for the right reason, right? Do it for the right reason. That you, it's because you are wanting to hear and receive the admiration of your Father who's in heaven more than any other words you might hear from those around you. And that might become really important to you uh, with different things in a way which God wants you to live or treat other people. And others might be like, that's crazy. Why would you treat people that way? Why be loving or forgiving to them? They don't deserve it. They haven't earned it. And you're saying, I want admiration from my Heavenly Father, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray this a couple of times, and I want you to, to pray with me. I, I'm not going to be shy about that. I want you to pray with me so that you can truly be focused in on not only doing the right thing, 
but for doing it for the right reason, that you would do stuff, say things that your heavenly Father would admire and be pleased with, okay? So let me pray, and you bow your heads, and you can pray along with me. I'm just going to repeat these words. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Don't be shy. You can say it out loud if you feel like it. You can say it quietly if you want to. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. One last time. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Here on earth as it is in heaven. It's in your name, Jesus, that we go out. Amen.